This is My Seminary Life, Episode 7, where we will be discussing my Theology of Sanctification paper. Brandon Knight here. Welcome back. We are on week seven of eight. We are almost there. The season finale for the spring semester is just right around the corner, and I am looking forward to it. This was uh, this was an interesting week for me. I did something this week that I have not done this entire quarter for this class so far, and that is check my grades. I have always dreaded checking my grades. I don't know why. I I am a good student, except for when I took Greek class. I am a good student academically, but I always hated checking my grades. I I knew people in college who were constantly checking their grades. I don't know why. I don't know what good that does. But obviously, my system doesn't work too great either because I could I could have gotten to this point and realized, oh wow, I am doing horrible in this class. What do I do? Do I have enough time to bring this grade up, but that doesn't matter because I'm doing really well in this class. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, This week has been pretty interesting for me, actually, uh, in general. This was the week that the big paper was due, the Theology of Sanctification paper. And because of that, I'm a little unprepared this morning to record this episode because during my homework time, I was all focused on the paper. Normally, What I do is I'll work for like 45 minutes, 50 minutes on homework, and then I'll take about 10 minutes or so to work on the script for the episode. Uh, So I'm kind of working on it throughout the week rather than like sitting down and getting it all together all at once, which is what I had to do this morning. So I'm a little, I'm a little unprepared. We'll see how this episode goes. Uh, Like I said, this was the big project week. It is my experience in in uh, theological studies and biblical studies and whatnot, that tests, quizzes, exams, that is not the norm, especially when it comes to exams. Big papers, big projects, group projects, that's more of the norm for this field of study rather than, okay, here's this really long examination that you have to take now. It's more of a, okay, show me that you have learned something and that you have cultivated it in your theology by writing this long paper. And of course, this was the week that life just kind of kept happening for me. You know, I uh, during the week where I needed all the time that I could to sit down and study, write, edit, all the stuff you have to do with a paper, I every night had something on the table. There were things coming up last minute, issues, there were things that were taking too long or longer than expected, I guess I should say. So in the week where I needed all the time I could get to work on this paper, I only had one free evening. And of course, since all the rest of my evenings were busy and I had work and I had homework, that one free evening was spent laying on the couch watching cartoons because sometimes you just need to relax. Sometimes you just need to watch a couple episodes of the of the Simpsons and Adventure Time and the X-Men 90s cartoon and just 
regain your composure before you head back out into the world. So, but the good news is the paper is done. I still have to submit it, but I'm recording this in the morning, so I have plenty of time to do that part. Everything is on track, thankfully. I just might be a little underprepared here. So we'll see how this part goes. Uh, so last week, I walked you through my entire three-page paper on uh, my book report on Sanctified Through the Truth by Martin Lloyd-Jones. This week, I'm not going to walk you through the entire paper page by page. And there's two reasons for that. First off, it would be, uh, it would be a bit of a recap. And I, if I recapped everything this week, there would be less to talk about next week during the season finale. So we're going to save the big recaps for next week. The other reason is because, like I said, the book report was only three pages long. That plus the intro and outro was about a 30-minute long episode, which is about as long as I like to keep these. I like to make more uh, small... I like to make smaller episodes of podcasts most of the podcasts on my feed are 45 to uh, an hour and 20 minutes long. And so I, I crave having some shorter ones where I can whip out like in, uh, you know, I got like some time to kill type of thing. So that's what I'm trying to shoot for is for people who like just need something to fill a little bit of time. And if I were to sit down and walk you through this entire 10 page paper, Plus, we've already have gone five minutes, plus the outro. We're going to be here for a while. So today, you're going to get the short version. You're going to get the high-level overview of the paper rather than the nitty-gritty. My hope is that, and I'm going to put feelers, like I said, I'm going to put feelers out there to see if any churches will take me up on the idea of presenting this as a lecture, either for a Sunday night or a small group Bible study thing, have a bit of a discussion afterwards. I'm going to put some feelers out there. Uh, I tweeted something earlier and I used the hashtag release the night cut like we had there going with the uh, release the Snyder cut. So right now you're getting the abridged version, but we're all hoping someday for the night cut of the entire paper. Like I said, 10 pages long is a little much to cover all right here. So let me uh, just get acquainted here with my notes. Uh, like I said, I, I this paper is 10 pages long, and I kind of point out the irony in that in the beginning of my paper, because I, I open talking about how pages upon pages, books upon books upon books have been written about this subject. And I have a measly, you know, 10 pages to hash out my ideas and put in my two cents on the subject. I uh, really, so it's a, it's a minimum of eight pages, a maximum of 10, and I hit nine with a paragraph, paragraph bleeding onto page 10 which is totally how I work. I work that way. I, I am not the bare minimum. I'm on barely on page eight, and I'm not the, oh, you said a max of 10 pages? Here's 15. I am a, let me just shoot for that middle. That's what I want. I just want to be somewhere in the middle, and that's what I did, so I'm happy with it. I also, I don't know if this is normal or if this is even a good habit, but my habit is I will, I don't study and then write. 
And I definitely don't procrastinate to the last minute and cram it all in at once. Those people are insane. But I study and write at the same time. So I kind of, this is how I do sermon prep. This is how I write my papers. I conceptually kind of have like what I want to say in my head. But what I, I like study and use scripture here at my side. So I've got like over time, I you might have like one or two books to start off with, plus my Bible or whatever. And as I'm reading, as ideas are coming to my head, as I'm being informed, I go and I collect more books that will either continue to help reinforce or inform my opinion. And over time, then I have a huge stack of books. They all have bookmarks in them, and you can and I have so that way when. I'm studying a certain section of the book. I can then write what I need. And if something was said that I want to go back to, or if I want to explore it further, I can have a quick reference back to where I was at prior. For this paper, I used a number of uh, resources. Like I said, actually, I tweeted a pic of it earlier. If you want to go check it out and see the stack of books that I had. I used one of the lectures from this uh, class. I also used The Emotionally Healthy Church, The Pressures Off, and Sanctified Through the Truth, which were all readings for the class. And I, uh, I, I kind of want to recant a little bit of what I've... I, I know I kind of wrong Sanctified Through the Truth, and especially The Pressures Off a little bit. I kind of bashed them a little bit. I do want to say that they were probably the books that I cited the most in this paper. So obviously, they they are important. They have something to say, and they are definitely worth reading and looking into. You don't have to agree with everything. I don't necessarily agree with everything in the books, but obviously, they were very formative and very. Uh, they are definitely very concrete sources that I use in the book to build off of my to build my argument off of. Along with those, of course, I had my ESV Bible and I had my Moody Bible commentary, which if there's going to be some type of giant paper for every class in this program, you're going to hear about the Moody Bible commentary every time we talk about this giant project, because that is my that is my go to commentary for this one or for this paper. And just in general, when I do certain studying or anything, I'm usually in the My Moody commentary at some point. Uh, what else do we have here? To kind of round things off in the unique category, we've got a book about St. Patrick, Abiding in Christ by Andrew Murray, and also my Essential C.S. Lewis collection, with, because I, so here I am talking about how much I love C.S. Lewis and how I want to be a, you know, I wouldn't mind being a scholar of his works. And I don't own a copy of Mere Christianity. I was going to cite something from Mere Christianity, and I, I went to my bookshelf to pull it out, and I must have borrowed it from someone when I took my C.S. Lewis class back in Grace College, because I don't have a copy of it. Thankfully, what I wanted to read and what I wanted to cite was in my essential reader, so I was able to quote it from that book. But I, I got to get my act together and go get a copy of mere Christianity now, because I, I apparently don't have one. It would have been nice if I would have had a copy of The Problem with Pain. The Problem of Pain? The Problem with Pain. Well, now I don't even know the title of that one. 
man, maybe I shouldn't be a scum. Uh, anyway, I wish I would have had access to that one as well for part of this paper. Uh, and here's why. It's because the there was three sections to this paper, okay? So that was all of the books I used. But there were three sections to this paper. The first one was defining our defining what spiritual formation sanctification is. We had to build our argument for what we were defining spiritual formation as and define the roles. What was God's what's God's role in the process? What is man's responsibility in the process? In section two, we then had to wrestle with how weakness and suffering play a part in spiritual formation, which is where the CS the other C.S. Lewis thing that writing that I don't have at all would have been nice to have, but it worked out. And then in the third section, we had to present a story from our life that connected everything together, that showed how our definition and how suffering all connected in our own life as well. It's, and it was an interesting experience. I, I think I talked about this in earlier in an earlier episode, but it's really interesting being in this environment where I'm here to learn, but in a way I'm also here to become a credible source. Like I, I definitely am not somebody who's like you know everybody with a master's degree is totally trustworthy. Like you know you just because you have a master's degree doesn't mean you know everything about God or that you're necessarily right all of the time. But it's very interesting to be in this environment where here learn, but I incite people definitely like build your argument off of sound sources. But this is my theology. This is what I think on the subject. These are my two cents. And it's, it was refreshing. It's refreshing to not just have to sit there and regurgitate information. It's refreshing to be, to be molded in this way where I am, thinking critically, building my own argument, and this is this is what I believe. This is what I think. So in section one, let me get my notes set up here. In start, instead of stating my definition right off the front, like this is my definition, and now we're going to work our way through it, I build blocks. I, am, I know the pieces that I want to get together and... I want to assemble it the right way. So I'm just going to build these arguments. These are the chunks. And then at the very end, I tie it all together. So this is spiritual formation. And one of my big goals for this paper there, I had a couple goals in coming to my definition because I'm trying to reconcile in my mind what we've been learning here in this class of God works through fellowship. and what I've been studying or what I read last week for my paper, for my book report, that is often the view of most people that God works through truth, namely scripture to transform us. So I wanted to reconcile these two together. And in my own head, it made sense to me that if I was going to talk about fellowship, then I needed, I needed to show how, each aspect of the Trinity is involved in spiritual formation. For whatever reason, that just kept coming up in my head of like this, if this is about fellowship and about relationship and the Trinity itself is about fellowship 
and relationship, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, then each one should have a piece to this puzzle. At least that makes sense in my head. I don't know what other people are talking about in their papers, but that's what made sense in my head. So as I'm building these blocks and I'm using my sources and going to scripture and praying and meditating over all these things, the definition that I have come up with is this, that spiritual formation is the process of the Father transforming us into the image of the Son through truth by fellowshipping with us through the Holy Spirit. That is sanctification. That is spiritual formation. And I concluded this section by talking about a number of ways that God could use to fellowship with us and to use truth to transform us. Mostly spiritual disciplines is what I was listing off at this point. I mentioned a few other things, but mostly spiritual disciplines. And I concluded this section talking about how there's one area that we typically try to avoid when it comes to talking about spiritual formation and God working in us, and that is the dark nights of the soul. And that's how I transitioned into section two. And section two was pretty much the same, I pretty much used the same system that I did in the first section of okay, I want to build these blocks on top of each other and then hit it home at the very end. This is what I'm trying to say here. One thing I did a little bit different for this section, you know, I'm talking about weakness and suffering, which nobody likes to be in weakness and suffering. Nobody likes to be in weakness and suffering. But I think what works for a lot of people in order to talk about these things is to use stories. And so what I did in this section was I used a number of stories to support my view. I brought up a, a story from the life of St. Patrick, one from Larry Crabb, one from Peter Cesaro. I talked about Elijah on the run from Jezebel. I talked about Jesus calming the storm. I talked about Jesus praying and so hard that he's sweating drops of blood. Like I used all these different stories to commute, to talk about suffering. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to beat the, I don't want to beat a dead horse on this subject because we already did an entire episode on the dark night of the soul, which by the way, I can see the numbers and a lot of you skipped that episode. So I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to the Dark Nights of the Soul episode, to go back and check that one out, because it is important to this discussion. So I'm building all of my blocks on top of each other, presenting all my different stories. And what I, I conclude in this section is that our role in this process of, God, of us fellowshipping with the Father and him transforming us with truth, and being held there by the Holy Spirit, our role in this process is to abide. And the only way that we can do that is when we are like Paul, and we can finally come to a place where we are going to boast in our weakness. Which takes us to our verse of the week, 2 Corinthians 12, 
seven to ten. Let me just find my place. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revel of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should be that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For to take, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I argue that this is where believers are supposed to get to. That if we are going to that if we're going to abide in Christ, that if we are going to be in a place where we're going to allow God to work in us rather than us trying to fix ourselves, then we don't need to avoid thorns, storms, limitations, weaknesses, dark nights in the soul. Instead, we need to boast in these hardships. We need to boast in our weaknesses. We need to embrace these times. And that when we do, when we do, if there's anything that we contribute to this, it is when we admit we can't, and then God works in us. And then I close out this section talking about, or excuse me, I, uh, I do bookmark this section. This was probably one of the most artistic things I have ever done in a paper. And it's probably only artistic to me. But I, I opened this section with a story from the life of St. Patrick. And then I closed this section with a direct quote from St. Patrick on desiring God. Uh, that essentially uh, says that we need to desire God more than the blessing that God can give us. And then I move into, chap into section three, not chapter three. There, it, it's not that long as a paper into section three, where I talk about, uh, obviously, it, for those of you who know me, I, I talk about my struggle with depression, especially during my high school and early college days when it was probably the worst it has ever been in my life. It's when I first started dealing with depression and anxiety and sexual addictions. And I, it was, it was a difficult time. I don't want to get all into it right now. but. Basically, what I talk about in this section is how, even though I was trying my best to fix myself or to bargain with God in prayer to try and make myself better, it wasn't until I finally admitted that I couldn't fix myself. This was my senior year in college. I think it was in the fall semester. And I went and got counseling. And on top of that, I was reading books. And on top of that, I was in these really good biblical studies classes that were transforming my thinking. And I had really good friends who were pouring into me. But the emphasis that I make here at the very end of this section is that I could sit here and praise the counseling center and praise these books and praise my friends and praise my professors. But that would be to miss the whole point of what is going on 
Beneath the Surface, which is the title of my paper, Beneath the Surface. That it wasn't because I was reading these books or sitting in these classes, and it wasn't the, the great techniques that my counselor was using, you know. These were the tools that God used to fellowship with me to bring truth into my life. There were so many lies, so many habits that I had that were not rooted in truth, not rooted in light of scripture, not rooted in what God thinks about me. And yes, there's always other factors that contribute to mental health because we live in a sin-sick world. So things like, you know, chemical imbalances and other issues like play a factor into this, which part of my healing journey has been learning how to take better care of myself, which really is what has come up more and more these past eight weeks in this class. Might talk about that more next week in the, in the finale. And also how God has used the loving kindness of my wife, Claire, in my life, that he has used all these different areas, all these different tools to communicate truth to me of who I really am, of who he really is, of who other people really are. And it's in this transformation that I am such a healthier person now. And it's and even though I may still fall into depression at times because we live in a fallen world, and that's going to happen sometimes, unfortunately, none of us like that, but that in my pain and in my weakness, I can boast in that because God is there with me. And even though it might be a long, dark night, he's there with me. And I close out the entire paper. There's kind of a thread that I follow all throughout this paper, along with supporting my uh, supporting my thesis, supporting my uh, definition of spiritual formation. There's this thread I, I follow throughout. I talk about how at one point how you know there's a lot of Christians who they they wholeheartedly hold on to that statement that. Christianity is a relationship and not a religion. And what they mean by that is that it's like solely a relationship and has nothing to do with like religion at all. And I, I talk a little bit about how that's very simplistic thinking about Christianity. However, and this is the thread I follow, I say that Christianity divorced from a relationship with God is some other religion other than true Christianity. And that's where I, you know, I try to always end these on a note that to bring a little bit of encouragement to you all, give you something maybe to take home and well, you are home probably, but to think about as you go through the rest of your day, and it, it's this for this episode is if your faith is more about following rules, following principles, and just doing the word of God because it is the word of God. And there's no real relationship in your life with God. And it's just following the rule meister's rules. I would encourage you to maybe reconsider. 
because I don't think you're following true Christianity there. It's a, a type of Christianity because you probably do believe in Jesus Christ. And I do believe that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you're saved. But I think if your faith and how it works out looks more like rules and principles than it does fellowship with the Father as he works through you and as we admit our need for him, then I think you have something other than true Christianity. It's like C.S. Lewis said, this is how I'm going to redeem myself for all my lack of C.S. Lewis material. It's as C.S. Lewis said, Christianity is painting a portrait rather than following principles. And I think even if C.S. Lewis is like, guys, we're supposed to, it's not, it's not rules. It's not principles. It's not just blind allegiance. It's, it's relationship. Then I think we have something to consider. Hey, if you enjoyed that episode, thanks. Appreciate it. Love it when you guys do. If you don't mind going on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this episode and favorite, subscribe, star review, whatever it is that they have there, please do that and share it around. Tell people we're on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, uh, Radio Public. I always want to say public radio, but Radio Public and Pocket Cast or to save yourself some breath. Just tell them that we're not on Apple Podcasts. That's that's basically, you know, and Stitcher. We're not. I, maybe it'll be easier to tell people where we're not at, and then they can go find the show on other platforms. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at my underscore seminary life. Like I said, that's where all of the updates are at. And there's a picture right now of the pile of books I used for this class or for this paper. and. If you would like to, you can go onto our profile on Anchor and you can leave us a voice message and say how much you enjoyed the show. Or if you have any questions for the show, please let us know. And remember, hashtag release the night cut. Well, here we are now with one episode to go in this semester, folks. I am excited. Next week is the season finale. And I have some ideas for how it's going to be a little different. It's going to flow a little bit different because it's the season finale. we got to have some fun, right? So we're going to do things a little bit def- different next time. It's going to be a blast. We will be taking a little bit of time off afterwards, but we will be back. Don't worry. And I'll see you all in the next episode.